the following message entitled, God, Government, and Believers. Part 41 of the series, A Righteousness from God, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 15th of March, 2015. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Morning, everybody. My name is Mark. I'm also one of the pastors here at Saving Grace Church. And uh, welcome if this is your first Sunday. Great to have you here. A couple of announcements before I start with our message. First of all, Mike, I agree. Gospel of John, great way to start someone if they're asking questions about the Lord. We have copies of the Gospel of John up here. If you uh, are just kind of finding out about Christianity or new to it or whatever, come up and get one of these copies of the Gospel of John. We would love to give it to you. If, if you have someone, a friend who has questions, you can't do anything better than ask them if they would be willing to just you know, meet, meet every now and then and go through the Gospel of John with you. It's just a great way to introduce people to Jesus because John specifically wrote this Gospel to help people believe in Jesus. He said that in, in the uh, second to last chapter. He said, I wrote these things so that you may believe and believing have life in His name. So, Mike, I agree. Great job, Mike, by the way. That was really well done. Good presentation. Okay, Good Friday is coming up soon. Good Friday, and we're going to be having another Good Friday service this year, joining with several other churches uh, from the area again. And this Good Friday event will be called Seven Broken Barriers. It is, it is seven spiritual barriers that Jesus broke for us on the cross. April 3rd, 7 o'clock to 8.30 p.m., Last year, the, the room was just packed with people from all different churches. So it was really a great time of unity in the body of Christ in this area. So love to have you come. In two weeks, we'll be having a baptism during our morning service, which was really going to be great. If you are a believer and have never been baptized, then give us a call. You can be baptized that Sunday and um, we would just want to meet with you, and then you can be baptized in two weeks on Sunday morning. And Saving Grace 101, if you'd like to find out more about our church, or if you know someone who's new to the church, you can still sign up. We had our first meeting this past week at my house. It was really a wonderful time. Uh, there were about seven or eight people there, and we would be happy if more people wanted to join us. Just kind of uh, talking about the basic beliefs of our church. It's not only good for someone who wants to become a member, but if you're already a member, it's just a, a great uh, kind of refresher and stirring up course for what we believe. So you'd be welcome to come to that. We had a great time. And uh, the next class is going to be March 25th, and we can give you all the information about that if you like. So, this morning, we are going to be looking at Romans chapter 13, and the title of this morning's message is God, Government, and Believers. 
And we are going to read verses 1 through 7. So, let's read those verses. Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For the same reason, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. And Your Word addresses many areas of our lives. And we want to obey Your Word. And just help us, Lord. Help us to understand it correctly. Help us to obey Your Word. Lord, I pray that You would, by Your Spirit, teach us this morning through Your Word. And even build up Your church. And help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to ask a couple questions. As Christians, how should we relate to our government? Do we always have to obey our government? What if we don't agree with our government? Many questions. Many of the Christians in Rome were Jewish converts. And they had questions about the government because the Jews had always been God's chosen people. And God had given them their laws. And God had personally governed them for many years. And later, God gave them kings. And the Jews now had long been under Roman oppression And they saw the Roman government as wicked and idolatrous, opposed to God and His kingdom. And they saw the Roman government as an abomination in God's sight. And many of the Jewish converts viewed obeying heathen, idolatrous governments or paying taxes to them as sinful. 
Which is why they asked Jesus the question about paying taxes to Caesar. Many of the Jewish converts probably struggled with the idea of secular government. And so they would have had questions like, well, how much should we submit to these heathen magistrates? One commentator I studied said, this was a question of deep interest. And he said there was a concern that the Jewish converts might prove to be disorderly and rebellious citizens of the empire. Now, I, I know this is a um, challenging subject for many people. Many people struggle with our government. And many people would even feel like our government has passed bad laws that have even been harmful to their making a living at, at times. And, and there are many issues with our government that we struggle with. Now, Christians, part of our challenge is we live in two kingdoms. I was thinking this morning, if I were to have done some kind of visual, I thought, well, I could unfold an American flag down from the front of the pulpit. And then I thought, over that, I would unfold a flag that had a cross on it. Now, we live in two kingdoms. We live in an earthly kingdom, but we also live in the kingdom of God. When we believe in Jesus, when we believe that Jesus is God, when we believe that this God, Jesus, became a man, a human being, and when we believe that He lived a perfect life life of obedience without one single sin. And then when we believe that He died on the cross to take our place and pay for our sins. And then He rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. When we believe that with all our heart, when we wholeheartedly believe that, whoever believes in Jesus has everlasting life. It says in the book of John, God so loved the world that whoever believed that He sent His Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And we have eternal life, but then we are to begin living in the kingdom of God. We're in the kingdom of God. And then we, now we are to begin to obey God. We are to begin to become disciples of Jesus and follow Him wholeheartedly all the days of our lives and put sin to death and begin to obey the Bible and follow Jesus. That's the way we are to live our lives. We're not saved by works, but we are to obey Jesus and do good works after we believe in Him and have eternal life. And we are living this life, we are working these works out and obeying Jesus, but we also are doing this in earthly kingdoms. And what this passage is saying, and I'm going to explain this in a minute, hopefully, is that God instituted human governments. God instituted earthly governments 
And He works through them. And He commands believers to be subject to them. God instituted governments. He works through them and commands believers to be subject to them. So first of all, we're going to look at this. God instituted earthly governments. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God. And those that exist, those that exist, every government that exists, has been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. God instituted earthly Governments. Every government is from God. This does not mean that every government is perfect or that wicked men don't use government sinfully, but we need to understand that government and earthly authorities have been instituted by God. This is not simply man's idea. So we need to take government and the authorities very seriously. Paul says, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. I don't want to incur judgment in my life. So, I need to really be clear about this. In other words, to disobey the government is a sin. It is ultimately to disobey God, and God will punish those who disobey Him. And immediately questions come to mind. What about wicked governments? What if the government tells me to do something wrong? And I said earlier, I know this is a really hard subject for some of you, because you feel like the government has affected your lives. So please listen to the whole message. As believers in Jesus Christ, our starting point for our lives is we must obey the Word of God whether we like it or not. Whether it's comfortable or not. And this doesn't apply just to the issue of government. This applies to every issue in our lives. There are many things in the Bible that naturally I would want to go a different direction if left to myself. There are many things in the Bible that I would not naturally do. But years ago, in the early 70s, when Jesus got a hold of my life, I heard someone say, the Bible is God's Word. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Actually, God said it. That settles it. Whether we believe it or not, it's God's Word. But, For my life, I made a decision. If I saw something in God's Word, I was going to believe it, and that settles it. And that has been something that has been a keystone in my life that has really helped me and guided me. So we need to say, okay, let's look at the Bible. We've got to obey God's Word whether we agree with it or not, whether it goes counter to our opinions, whether it goes counter to our feelings. And we, I will attempt to address some issues of conscience later in the message. But now, as a general principle, we need to know first, secular governments have been instituted by God. God has given them 
their authority. So the Jewish converts in Paul's day could know that in general, it was God's will for them to submit to heathen rulers. God had placed these heathens in their positions of authority. In general, it was not a sin to obey them. They were not disobeying God by obeying Caesar or Nero at times, even though these were wicked men. So, the next thing. God instituted earthly governments. God works through earthly governments. Verse 3, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive His approval. For He is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for He does not bear the sword in vain. For He is the servant of God, an avenger, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this you pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God. Attending to this very thing. One in authority is God's servant for your good. One in authority is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Those in authority are ministers of God. Even those who don't believe in God are ministers of God. And God works through them and, and uses them for our good. They bear the sword to protect us and punish wrongdoers. When someone commits a crime, they're punished. That is God's wrath being carried out. If you want to commit crimes, if you want to break the law, if you want to do that, God's wrath will come upon your life. In this world, this, when God's wrath is mentioned in Scripture, it's not always talking about His eternal wrath. It's talking about His punishment of sin in this life. So the authorities are ministers of God. In other words, government is an instrument of God, which He uses to carry out His government of mankind. Those in authority are instruments of God which he uses to carry out his government of the world. I remember when John Scherf, John is a police officer, and he's one of our members. And I remember, John, when you first came to our church, we were doing a class called Christianity Explained or something like that. Remember that? hope you don't mind me sharing about this. I didn't ask John's permission, but you can just arrest me if I do something wrong. <laughs> but but in, the, in, the, in the course... As, as the course was going on, in one of the classes, John, John was either just on the verge of becoming a Christian or, or wrestling with the issues. John, you'd have to let me know exactly and let me know if I share anything wrong here. But you said something along the lines of, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling because I'm a police officer and, and at times I have to use force and sometimes even violence to stop criminals and I'm supposed to hate evil you said something like that. So you're really struggling saying, I don't know if I can become a Christian because I have to do these things. So we turned to this passage, or I mentioned it, and I said, John, you are God's servant to people for their good. He uses the police and governments to protect us from evil people. And when you have to use force or even violence at times to protect us from criminals, you're acting in God's place to carry out 
His wrath against wrongdoers. I am so grateful for our police. I'm so grateful I can go to bed at night knowing you guys are out there protecting us. They are ministers for God, of God for our good. Those in authority are God's servant for good. Think of all the good the government does for us. I know some of you, your mind may be thinking, going immediately to the bad things that you that you would say the government does. But the government does so much good. It institutes laws that protect our property and our lives. It doesn't always do this perfectly. But government is God's servant for our good. And He works through earthly governments to bless us. I am so grateful for our military. I am grateful for all of you who have served in the military and all of you who have family members and children serving in the military. They're, they're protecting our lives. I have, I have so many blessings in my life because of the sacrifices of military and police and other government agents. My dad was in the service. I am grateful Think of all of the protections and freedoms that our military provides. And think of things like speed limits that the government institutes, seat belts, sanitary regulations for restaurants, requirements for hospitals, privacy acts, food regulations. I know sometimes they seem like a pain, but ultimately government works for our good. And laws are for our good. If there were no government and no laws, this nation would be in chaos. We would all have to be doomsday preppers. We'd all have to hunker down in our bunkers with our weapons because unrestrained, without laws, without agents carrying out the laws, there would be chaos. People would kill and steal. So God works through our authorities for our good and protection and well-being. As imperfect as our governments are at times. So He commands us to be subject. The third point, God commands believers to be subject to governments. First, God institutes our governments. God works through them for our good and He commands us to be subject. So, verse 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Verse 5, therefore one must be in subjection. The word be subject denotes a kind of submission which soldiers render to their officers. And it implies a subordination, a willingness to occupy our proper place. And it's a willingness to yield to the authority of those over us. So here's a general principle. A general principle. Christians are to obey the government in all things which are not contrary to the law of God. In other words, all things within the government's jurisdiction. If it's not contrary to the law of God, we should obey it. Obviously, it has to do with areas in their jurisdiction. In other words, if, if I'm out cutting my grass and I'm going back and forth this way and John Scherf drives by and says, Mark, no, you know what? You need to go back and forth this way. That's not in the police's jurisdiction. I don't have to do what John says. 
But if I'm throwing my trash in my neighbor's yard and John tells me to get it out of there, I need to obey. See, we need to obey the government within its areas of jurisdiction. Unless it tells us to do something contrary to the Word of God. Now, it doesn't say... Let every person be subject to the governing authorities if they're perfect and never make a mistake. Or or if, if every law is perfect and pleases you. Or do what is always the best thing that you think is the best thing to do. It doesn't say be subject to the governing authorities if you agree with them or if you like them. It just says be subject to them. I I don't like everything, necessarily, that the government does. I was was driving this a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago. I was driving through town. I had been at one place early in the morning doing something. And I was trying to get back here to pray for the Uganda team. And I wasn't speeding or anything like that. And I was on Wayne Avenue, and I passed a police car. And he, uh, all of a sudden, uh, I'm stopped at a stoplight, and, and, or I'm in traffic, and I see the police car turn around, and his lights come on. <laughs> I'm thinking, I hope it's not for me. And pretty soon, he's behind me. And he says, he pulls out a horn and says, pull in McDonald's parking lot. So I pull into the parking lot. Officer comes up to my car says, you know your, uh, your taillight is out. I didn't, I didn't know that. And he says, I, you know, I have to give you a warning. Your taillight's out. You need to get that fixed. I said, okay. And he said, uh, looks at my windshield, and he said, and uh, you know you're expired. Your uh, inspection isn't expired. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was due to be uh, renewed in September. I'm thinking, ah! And then he says, can I see your uh, license and uh, owner's re- registration and insurance card? I pull out my license. Fortunately, I have my license with me. And then I'm fumbling through the book under the seat, and I'm pulling out my <laughs> insurance cards, and it says, expires 2010. <laughs> I'm thinking, what an idiot I am! I've had these things. I have photos. I said, can I show you a photo of it on my phone? And um, I can't. finally, I find one of the things, the right date and everything. I give it to him. And I'm sitting there, and people are walking by, looking at me in McDonald's parking lot. Uh, and then he comes over and takes care of it. And, uh, and then he says, because uh, uh, I guess we're near the university, and because I look so scholarly, I guess, he says, do you work at IUP? He says, where do you work? Where do you work? At IUP? And I said, no, uh, I'm a pastor up at uh, Saving Grace Church. (laughs) And then I said, that's pathetic, isn't it? And he, being the good officer that he was, didn't comment on that. I'm sure he was thinking that. Um, But then I had to go the next week, the next Monday, and I had to pay a fine. I get in there, and they tell me it's $118. I, I had made an appointment to get my taillight fixed and my registration and, and uh, car inspected, but uh, I, I, I thought $118. I was not happy about it. But God 
told me I had to be subject to the governing authorities without grumbling or complaining. And so I even thanked God for the whole thing. I thanked God for our police. I thanked God for that officer. I thanked God. And, uh, you know, I could have said, I could have said, I, I don't need to get my taillight fixed. I don't need to get an inspection. Hey, in Florida, they don't require you to get your car inspected. I don't think I should have to do that in Pennsylvania. I ain't going to pay this $118. Well, the policeman had told me that if I didn't, within about 10 days, there would be a warrant for my arrest. So I thought I'd better pay that. But I, I I had to be subject. And I didn't want to do it with... Grumbling. So Christians are to be subject to the government in all areas that are not against the Bible. In Acts chapter 5, the high priest said to Peter, We strictly charged you not to teach in his name, in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. See, if the government tells us to do something wrong or something contrary to the Word of God, we must obey God rather than men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were tossed into the fiery furnace for disobeying Nebuchadnezzar's command to bow down to his image. See, they they obeyed God rather than man. Daniel refused to obey King Darius' ordinance forbidding anyone to make a petition to any god or man for 30 days except him. And he prayed to God three times a day. And so he was thrown into the lion's den. In 1660, John Bunyan was arrested for open-air preaching in a farm village for violating a law which made it an offense to attend a religious gathering other than at the parish church. John Bunyan said, no, I've got to preach the Gospel. And he, as a result, he spent 12 years in prison. Had four daughters, I believe. 12 years away from his family. Because I must obey God rather than men. Corrie ten Boom, Hitler, commanded people to turn in the Jews. Corrie ten Boom and her family hid them and helped them escape. As a result, Corrie ten Boom wound up in a concentration camp. Must obey God rather than men. Charles C. Ryrie, a Bible scholar, says, when civil law and God's law are in opposition, the illustrations in the Bible sanction, if not obligate, the believer to protest or disobey. But when a believer feels he should disobey his government, he must be sure It is not because the government has denied him his rights, but because it has denied him God's rights. See, the Bible is the final authority in our lives. No human document has more authority in our lives than the Bible. And any law that is passed that contradicts the Bible need not be obeyed. And Christians... When I'm talking about being subject to the government, that doesn't mean Christians can't speak out. It means 
It does not mean Christians can't speak out against what is wrong or evil. We are allowed to express our opinions and work for change within legal means. But I do believe, and the Bible would say, that when we express our opinions, we need to be careful to do it in a way that is respectful and honoring to our leaders, even if we don't feel they deserve respect. Because God commands us to honor our leaders. Now the consequences of not being subject to the government, it says, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Those who resist will incur judgment. Because if we resist the government, we are resisting God. And we'll bring judgment into our lives. So, if you decide, listen to this please, if you decide to disobey the law or disobey the government, you had better be darn sure you're doing it out of obedience to God and that it would be a sin for you to obey the government. Otherwise, you're going to incur God's judgment. And so in verse 3, he says, Rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but bad. Would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? And do what is good. And you'll receive His approval. If we subject ourselves to God's Word and God's commands, then we will have no terror. There's nothing to fear. Before I was a Christian, before I was a Christian, I would often have marijuana on my person, in my pocket. And when I would see a policeman, I would be afraid. There would be terror in my heart. What if this guy stops me? You know, it was kind of like that song by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Almost cut my hair. His long hair, he says, increases my paranoia like looking in my rear view mirror, looking in my mirror and seeing a police car. <laughs> see, if you have no marijuana in your car, you don't have to worry about looking in the mirror unless your tail lights out. <laughs> so this week I was behind I was driving behind a policeman and my tail light had been fixed. My I had gotten my car inspected and I was fully in peace of mind. I said, Go ahead, pass me. Look at my tail lights. I'm no terror. <laughs> But he says, if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. He's a servant of God, an avenger who carries out wrath on the wrongdoer. God's wrath comes upon those who sin and break God's laws and disobey Him in this life. Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. If we disobey God's Word, if we disobey the government where we should be obeying it, God's wrath. And so the two reasons Paul gives to submit to authority says, therefore one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. In other words, if we disobey our, our government where we should be obeying it, we're violating our conscience. We're disobeying God. Even if no one sees us disobeying the authorities, we violate our conscience. 
Now, submitting to the government, he says, also includes paying taxes. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. God instituted the idea of paying taxes. We pay taxes to support God's servants. They may not know they are God's servants. They may not even believe in God, but they are serving God's purposes. It is God's will to have people who give their full time to governing. So the command to pay taxes is not just the command of our government. God tells us to pay our taxes. I'm not crazy about paying taxes. I don't just look forward to tax time. I don't look forward to, to... I don't enjoy it. I can't say I enjoy paying my taxes. But I need to do it because God commands me to do it. And I need to do it without grumbling and complaining. Philippians two fourteen and 15. Make this one of your life verses. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Pay your ticket without grumbling or disputing. Pay your taxes without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Jesus said we should pay taxes. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And they marveled at Him. Jesus didn't say, Caesar is a wicked man. Don't pay any taxes to Him. No. What if the government uses my tax dollars to do something wicked? Like funding Planned Parenthood. Technically, the government funds Planned Parenthood, but technically says none of those funds may be actually used for abortion, although they certainly encourage abortion. Well, there may be other things like funding war. There there are people who write letters to the IRS saying, I am not going to pay my taxes because I disagree that the government should use my money to go to war. Well, if you have an issue of conscience then you need to do what you believe God calls you to do. Because God does not want us to violate our conscience and sin. If you you feel like you're violating your conscience, then before God, you must not violate your conscience. So, in some of these issues, in some of the questions that may be coming to your mind, if you feel like I am committing a sin by doing this, then don't commit a sin. Don't do that. And then finally, submitting to our government includes God's command to respect and honor those who are in authority. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Paul is writing to the Christians in Rome, many of the Roman emperors, most of them were not godly men at all. Yet God called the believers to respect and honor them. 1 Peter 2.17, we looked at this a couple weeks ago, honor everyone, 
love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. That doesn't mean we always have to agree with them. It doesn't mean we have to be happy with the laws they pass. It doesn't mean we can't speak out for righteousness. It doesn't mean we can't work for change. It doesn't mean we shouldn't vote. I mean, it doesn't mean we should distance ourselves from being involved in politics. No! Be involved. Vote. Whatever you want to do to change. Um, it doesn't mean we can't talk about and evaluate policies and laws and ideas. It doesn't mean we can't say this is a bad policy, it's not helpful, it's not good. But we have to be careful about our attitude. And we must honor even when we're disagreeing. I can disagree with you about any, ob- any topic and yet I can still honor you as a person by having a, a, a right attitude toward you. We may violently disagree about an issue, but I can still have an attitude of honoring you as a human being created in God's image. Sixty-five-year-old ex-rocker Ted Nugent recently described President Obama as a subhuman mongrel. Well, I want to tell you something. That is a sin. If you call our president or other leaders, names like that, if you call any of our leaders an idiot or a jerk or a joker or a clown or the devil or whatever, it is a sin. It's disobeying God's Word. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And finally, I want to add that we should pray for our leaders. 1 Timothy 2 1 and 2 says, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions. All. Kings and all who are in high positions. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Paul urges this first of all. He says, first of all, this is important. I urge you, not I suggest. So let me ask you this. If you struggle with our government, if you feel that you must speak against it or criticize it, let me ask you this. Do you pray for our government as much as you criticize it? Do you pray for our president as much as you criticize him, if you criticize him? Do you pray for our leaders as much as you complain about them? And you shouldn't be complaining. My suggestion would be, if you're unhappy with the president, do you pray for him? I just wonder, like, the volume, the amount of volume at times that we might speak against our government versus the amount of prayer for our government. We may not always agree with our government, but we need to obey and be subject to them in appropriate areas as long as it is not violating the Word of God or our conscience And we need to do it without grumbling or complaining. So, we need God's help, don't we? Let's pray. Lord, 
We want to do what Your Word says. We want to pray for those who are in high positions. We pray, Lord, we pray for our President. We pray for our government. We pray for our Supreme Court justices. We pray for our senators and our representatives. We pray for the hundreds, thousands of staff people in Washington, D.C. We pray, Lord, that You would please, please save many of them. Everyone, Lord. We pray that You would save everyone. We pray that You would save President Obama. We pray that You would save our Supreme Court justices and our leaders and bring them to the knowledge of Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that You would direct them. You say in Your Word, the King's heart is like a channel of water in Your hands and You direct it any way You wish. And so we pray that You would direct the hearts of our leaders, Lord, that they would, they would institute laws that are righteous, that are godly, that are helpful, we pray, Lord, that You would also just bless our local leaders, our, our local police, our fire, our local senators and representatives. Lord, we pray that You would bless everyone involved in our local authorities and governments. We thank You for them. We, we pray that You would protect them and keep them safe and bless them and use them, Lord, for our good. And Lord, I pray for John Scherf and I thank You for him. And I pray You would use him for Your glory to influence many people where he works. Just bless them, Lord. And we just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.